This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm John Champion, co-host of Mission Log. While Daniel and Paul are doing a bang-up job covering the wide world of pop culture, we're talking Star Trek, one episode at a time, over at Mission Log, looking for morals, meanings, and messages. In fact, there are a whole lot of other shows at podcast.roddenberry.com for you to choose from science, feminism, even daily news, and all stops in between. Boldly go and find us. When you're done here, of course. Again, that address is podcast.roddenberry.com, and we will be delighted to have you trek us out. Welcome back to another episode of the Half Measures Podcast. Um, joined today by Paul, coming straight from Tokyo, where I, hopefully he's been drifting his uh, Toyota Supra around the the mountains of Japan. Is that correct, Paul? Hi, Dan. Hi, everyone. I love the way you start off like this because you put me straight against the you 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 get that the high ground the dominant position, and then you know that I can either say no. I I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it. So not this week. Not this week, guys. All if, right, you tune, so, if you tune um, if you tune in for that, <laughs> tune out. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Half Measures Pod. Um, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends, and we'll see you next week when yeah. hopefully Paul doesn't disappoint me. <laughs> <laughs> Too far, too far, too far. Welcome back, Paul. It's another episode, episode 21. It's, it's good times. It is. It's exciting. Uh, lots of things to talk about uh, this week um, and a couple of uh, pieces of news in the mailbag, which are quite nice as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, that's very, very exciting. So we're going to we're gonna mix things up a little bit today with our, our order of events. So just in case you miss it at the end of our podcast, there's a whole bunch of different channels and ways that you can reach out, get in touch, talk to us about the show. What are some of those channels, Paul? Yeah, so you can follow us at Half Measures Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you've got a movie or a TV show you'd like to recommend, or if you want us to even review it, drop us a line at halfmeasurespodcast.com. We love mailbag questions. And, uh, yeah, you can find all the links to our social media, our website, and our Discord community channel in this week's episode description wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Amazing, amazing. So um, I guess the other big question, which we ask every week, what have you been watching, Paul? What's been happening in your household? Well done. A couple of podcasts ago, I mentioned to you that I had started the first couple of episodes of Dark Season 1. Uh, this was a show that uh, is in German, and we're watching with the with the subtitles on. Really enjoying this show. We've finished Season 1 now, so we're going to try and race through the second season so that we can get in amongst Season 3, which is the latest season. Look, I have to say... I have struggled with this show from the point of view that, and I'm not going to give too many spoilers because I know you're interested, but basically it takes place in different time zones. We've established that there's time travel, right? And so you're seeing like Dan when he's young and Dan when he's old. You're seeing Paul when he's young and Paul when he's old, but it's played by different actors. It's in a foreign language and it's really hard to keep track of who's who because I'm spending so much time reading the subtitles. I have considered putting the audio dub on but it just doesn't feel right the quality of the show though is is really 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 high it's um 
it's it's really well written really great production values the music in it is is absolutely fantastic and the story you were spot on when you said that you thought it had a bit of a stranger things vibe it does have a stranger things vibe minus i think perhaps that pop culture comedy light-hearted kids feel um given away by the title dark um there's some pretty gruesome things going on across the different time zones but how it all interlinks together how the family interlinks together is really intricate really really um if, if for example if you look on their instagram page all of their posts are just pictures of post-it notes on a wall connected by pieces of string and all of the all of the instagram posts all linked together and it, i guess that sort of plays into what i've been saying about how complicated it is to try and keep up with who's who and what how that family is related to that and who's sleeping with who and who killed who and it's so yeah all i can say is with one season in i really are enjoying it i feel like i understand now more than ever why diana was happy to go back and watch the the first two seasons again because even like last night we were watching the episode and she's like oh i missed that the first time and and i think it's definitely one of those shows that could be one of those that could be better on a a rewatch I think um, three things that um, struck me of interest from that pool is, one, I feel like we need stickers that say, look, which is how quite often we, we start a conversation in the Half Measures podcast world, look, here's how it is, look, I'm going to tell you. Um, I think it's interesting as well, obviously you, you mentioned last week that you were a bit on the fence about the show, and I'm just wondering at what point, like how many episodes did it take you to kind of be like, nope, this is for me, I'm interested? Uh, I think, I think I was. De- I knew I was interested after just two episodes, and then by about the fourth episode, it was getting to that point where I didn't want to wait until tomorrow to watch another episode. I was like, "Oh, come on, let's watch it. Let's watch another one." Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's just it just keeps drawing you in. The plot thickens more and more. It gets, and you can feel something's coming, and it's worth the wait when you get there. And it's yeah, it's just it's the first German. TV show I think I've ever watched, which makes me sound really uncultured, doesn't it? But uh, you know, I've watched a lot of um, you know Spanish shows, and but this is the other than Criminal Germany, which was part of a bigger criminal thing. This is the first time I've watched an exclusively German, and I've just been really absolutely blown away by the the quality of the acting and the yeah the production. It's it's got a real high quality production value, which is so enjoyable to watch. It reminds me a little bit, having not watched it yet, but just based on what you've said and what I've, I've heard around the place, of the very first time I watched Prometheus, I wasn't 100% sure what was going on, and I had to read some Wikipedia information, which I was like, oh my god, this is incredible, yeah. and it kind of like, then rewatching the movie, it all kind of made sense to me, and I wonder, it made, just as you were describing it, it made me think, maybe Dark's going to be one of those TV shows for me, where you know, you watch it and then you kind of need to do a little bit of research and then it kind of all clicks into place. And um, once that kind of, that deeper level does, it kind of sits with you for a while. Mm, for sure. And I second what you said about Prometheus. Uh, I was very, very similar. And just like Prometheus, this movie looks, this TV show looks really, really good. So, uh, so yeah, definitely worth the watch. And I think maybe if you decide to get in amongst it and we, we both get to season three, we could then do a, a proper a proper dive into it. I'm definitely keen. I'm. It's. It's probably my next show that I'm going to watch. I think so. Okay, great. I'll, I'll try and speed it up so that we can we can have that chat. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, movie. Uh, one of the movies we watched this week. Um, Ad Astra. Have you seen Ad Astra? The Brad Pitt. 
I have seen the ad for it constantly, or the ad, the, the tile for it constantly. Um, I regularly think to myself, as soon as Paul sees this, he's 100% going to watch it. And then I think to myself, is this movie for me? I'm not too sure. I'll wait, I'll wait for Paul to tell me all about it. Quite, quite correct. And uh, the tile was flashing up all the time on the new neon platform here in New Zealand. Uh, and I nearly bought this movie not that long ago. So it was a real bonus to see. You can watch it for free on neon. So uh, if you haven't seen it, the basic premise is uh, Brad Pitt uh, is an astronaut who goes on a, a mission across an unforgiving solar system to uncover the truth about his missing father, played by Tom Lee Jones. And, you know, Tom Lee Jones is another actor who I'll watch and I think always great value. Um, so yeah, so he, Tom Lee Jones has gone on this expedition you know, 30 years later. It's sort of all gone wrong and it's threatening the universe. Things are happening that are now affecting life on Earth. So they have to go and find out what's going on. It's it's a very, very different science fiction type movie. Uh, I really enjoyed it um, more than I thought I would because when I read uh, the description, I'd I'd actually done that thing where I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be into this. I can see a spacesuit. I can see space. I can see spaceships. I'm going to love it. But I actually hadn't gone to the, the actual reading. And I was like, I'm not sure if this is, is going to be that great. And it was. It was really, really good. Um, also in the movie Donald Sutherland. So um, I thought when Tom and Lee Jones and Donald Sutherland were in a, a space movie, uh, that what was it, Space Cowboys, like about 20 years ago, they both seemed like, way too old to be in a space movie and here we are 20 years later and, and they're doing it again so yeah he was good in it too a really interesting story one of brad pitt's best performances in a long time I, I really found him quite convincing in this role um a real good tension to it a real good pace to it it's not not your cliche type hollywood moments uh, the story goes in different directions to what you might typically expect uh, including the ending uh yeah a really enjoyable watch um and i would recommend it to anyone who's a, a sci-fi fan or a brad pitt fan yeah i for some reason it's a movie that it was on my iTunes a lot, sort of constantly as sort of a recommended title. And for some reason, and this is going to make you laugh, I feel like it's a movie that I might watch on a plane, Paul. But I feel like because we don't we don't fly on planes anymore, That's I don't right. know how I'm going to put it into my schedule. But um, it, it looks interesting. I think something else in, in a point that you mentioned is Neon, just for a second. It's, I'm kind of impressed with their upcoming movies list and even some of the movies that they've started to drop. And I don't know whether it's just because we're hungry for um, new content and better quality movies, but seeing for New Zealand listeners, seeing The Joker, mm. um, seeing uh, the latest Rambo movie, which we previously talked about on, on here, um, but Ad Astra, numerous other movies. It's kind of interesting. I think it's going to give us a kind of – will give us more current movies to, to watch, which I think is, is kind of quite exciting. Yeah, look, I think you're right about Neon. I think maybe the cynic in me is thinking that they're they're putting a whole bunch of movies on there for free, which maybe in a few months' time that sort of thing might drop with a, a $7.99 tag, tag with it as well. But at the moment they might be trying to attract some new new people in. Hopefully not. Hopefully that's just me being cynical. But uh, back to Ad Astra just quickly. I forgot to mention the, the writer-director, James Gray, Never heard of him before, to be honest, and he impressed me uh, both with his writing and his directing, so I reckon he could be uh, another one to, to watch. He has got a few movies under his belt, which uh, I just haven't seen, but yeah, real good. I think, you've, 
I think you've just written the next tweet for the social media manager. Never heard of you, but you impress me. Yeah. Come on, God. I, I feel like that's the sort of endorsement that <laughs> that writer directors like James Gray are really looking for. Never heard of you, but I like, you're all right by me. <laughs> nice. Uh, so my final um, movie of the week, and this actually is Paul's pick for the week, if you like, as we called it a while ago. This is my, my pick for the week. This is a movie, and I'm going to get a little bit typecast here because – I've, I've, I've realized that a lot of movies I've been watching lately have been have been space orientated. So I'm, I need to go in a new direction moving forward. But this one's another one. So bear with me. This one's called Earthrise, uh, which is a 2014 movie. And this is a movie set in the future where pretty much the majority of humans now live on Mars. Uh, there's a few people on Earth who are trying to save the dying planet. And every year, a small number of people get the opportunity to go to Earth and try and help out uh, to rehabilitate the dying planet. And of course, for, for these people coming from Mars, it's their first glimpse of Earth. So the movie follows three people traveling to Earth. And yeah, the plot basically revolves around the tensions that arise on their journey. So it's kind of a, yeah, a, like a, a sci-fi psychological thriller. Uh, another one of my classic finds on Amazon Prime. Uh, I can see you typing away, Dan, and I'm wondering if you're going, I can't find this movie, or surely it's not this movie, um, because it does score pretty low anywhere you look for reviews. And I need to be clear here, it's not a Hollywood blockbuster. And I think it gets low scores based on the fact it's not made by a big studio. Uh, it doesn't have big names in it, etc. Um, so, yeah, so I, I just don't think it's it's scored well there. I, you're, you're correct, Paul. I went straight to, um, straight to Google. Um, IMDb didn't look promising, but... Rotten Tomatoes, I feel like I might have flicked on a broken link because it's saying 82% audience score. It's, um, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really intrigued by Paul's picks. I think um, this, is a, this is a segment we need to keep. I like it. What's Paul, it Paul's picks, Dan's delights. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, look, it's, it's quite clear. If, if you do ever decide to watch it, it's on Amazon Prime. I feel like it's such good advertising for this, this platform. It's quite clear that it is a very low budget movie in terms of the quality of the special effects. And some of the sets aren't what you would find at Lucasfilm, all right? But um, the guy, uh, Glenn Payne, who, who wrote and directed it, another writer-director, you know I love a writer-directed movie, he actually does pretty well. And his storytelling and his style actually means, um, as the viewer, you're actually less focused on the quality of the set production. And you, you, the focus is really on the, the characters and how they work together, their relationships and their, their differing reactions to what's unfolding on board the ship. Um, and yeah, one of the things he does well is he jumps around uh, the story jumps from the future to the past really seamlessly. You get a real tension knowing that things are going to go safe for these guys. And there's some really great hallucination scenes um, where you see from uh, one of the guy's points of view what's going on in his mind. But then you see other shots where you can see that he's just reacting to things that simply aren't there. It's pretty well done. Um, and the timing, as I say, the time for me is kind of, is weird in terms of you know watching things like Ad Astra or the last astronaut, uh, sorry astronaut last push, but this one goes in a whole different direction. Finish. I will be honest that the, the finish of this movie is probably a bit lacking. Um, you know how last week I said um, 
Event Horizon probably went too far with the finish. This is sort of like the other way. They probably could have done it a little bit more. Um, but I felt like I could have done it an extra 15 minutes at the end just because it felt like the, if it was a book, it felt like you were turning the page expecting another chapter, but it was like the end. So putting that aside, there's a lot about it I really enjoyed. I thought that the leads did a pretty good job. Um, there was... Yeah, you know, a lot of good dialogue between between the three of them. Uh, Casey Dillard did a, a, a really good job in particular, very con- convincing in their role, probably the strongest of the three main leads there. I love the plots. I love the idea. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, the idea of being sort of living on Mars and then coming to this planet Earth that you've only heard stories about. Um, I really like that. So, you know, I really appreciate what they're able to do on this budget. And I think if you like sci-fi, this could be a film for you. It's my pick of the week. Do you know what I love the most about you, Paul? Is I love... <laughs> I'm worried. I, I love that I feel like you pop your hand into the, the 50 cent lolly mixture and you, you <laughs> whatever you pull out, you give it your all. You, you, you're well researched on who the actor is, who the director is. You've really given it good consideration. You value it for the movie it is. And you know what? There might be better lollies in that bag, but that's all right. That's all right. You'll give it a go. And I, I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate that, Dan. I'm more interested often, like I watched Ad Astra and I watched uh, Earthrise and I did, I, I did, you know, spend a little bit of time. We don't spend too much time on this podcast, as you know, but I did spend a little bit of time looking at both and I did get more drawn into the story of how Earthrise was made just because these guys, you know, the they're really putting everything into it, their heart and their soul. And it's, it's a fascinating, there's a few articles I've read online about the making of this. And, you know, the budget was like $10,000, you know, I mean, what is that? It, it's, it's nothing. So I, I really, I don't know. I've, uh, maybe I'm just getting older and I'm starting to appreciate other things, but this, this is just one of those things where I just think, Oh, I'd, I'd love to think I start thinking, could, could, could I do something like that? You know, on a budget, could I do, I, I couldn't, I'm just going to, bury that before anyone goes into any directions that I could I couldn't but I, I like the idea that you know people are giving it their their best shot and now I've been looking at some of the the cast and the, the writer director and you know they're, they're moving on into into other areas and I think that's great I really yeah I appreciate you picking up on that though Dan look it's always it's always good I think it's I think it's good to try out these small movies and look Paul I'd be really interested in the the, the pork and hour cut of a of a movie, well, I'm sure we could probably crowdsource, do a bit of a whip around, get your 10k, see what we can do with it. Well, we could probably review the movie right here on the pod. In fact, I could do it. One hot take. <laughs> okay, let's let's. I'm going to move the conversation forward because this is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> um, have you been watching Dan? Have you been watching on Disney Plus uh, Mandalorian, uh, the Mandalorian Gallery? No, I haven't, but I've heard very good things about it. I tell you what, that's that's really, really good. Um, and, you know, this is a million miles away from the types of money that they're working on at Earthrise. Um, th- I've seen seven out of the eight episodes so far. So this is the behind the scenes, you know, directing, casts, interviews, technology, how they make the show, um, putting the episode together, um, the music that was probably my favorite episode so far. The the you know some, that amazing Mandalorian score, and it's it's just great seeing like a roundtable discussion with you know John Favreau, Dave Filoni, all the directors there, Taika Waititi, who who looks so yeah he's he's just really flamboyantly compared to these you know sort of Americans. It's 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 so good. It's if you enjoyed the Mandalorian, I can almost 
almost guarantee you'll love watching the gallery. Is that coming out in episodes at the moment? Is it finished or not quite? Uh, I don't know if it's finished. Episode eight just dropped. I haven't seen that yet. Um, and I don't know. I, I have a funny feeling that there'll be 10 episodes for some reason. It seems like a, but uh, I, I honestly don't know. I just keep seeing it pop up on my um, notifications. So I just keep watching. I see they've also, speaking of Disney Plus, they've also added a few more of the Star Wars movies uh, over the last few weeks, I guess. Uh, Solo, and unless that was outside of our market, you're looking at me kind of like they've always been there. I thought they were, but yeah, I could, I could be, I could be. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I read that on a for an American market. You know, everything's different. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Well, that's a good recommendation. Cool. Anything and else you've been watching? I have finished because I know you were watching F is for Family season four. Mm. Um, I've finished the fourth season of uh, F is for Family. So, uh, just to bring balance to my positivity, and you know how sometimes I, you talked about me putting my hand in the 50 cent lolly jar. Well, let's not forget that Australian movie, The Vanish, that I pulled out, which, which definitely I couldn't be positive about. F is for family. Okay. Season four. This is, this is a season that I equal parts loved, equal parts had tears of laughter, and equal parts just felt so uncomfortable watching and I actually found some of it moderately depressing at times um either I've forgotten you know what season one to three were like or season four seemed to take it to a whole new level um, there's so there's there's just so much in there that I think people in real life are actually going through both now and in the 70s that is just not nice and I don't know it's um it's it's it, it is funny but it's also like oh you know, for people that are you know suffering from neglect or lack of empathy or 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 the comfort that a normal family should should, should bring, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too old, Dan. Maybe it's because I have a family. I don't know. But um, I look. I, I feel like I really laughed at this. Like I said, believe me, some of the dialogue is the funniest I have ever heard. And with Bill Bill Burr, uh, his delivery as Frank in particular. It's just so funny. It's just so funny. But um, I think I find it more comfortable and enjoyable when he's having a hard time with his boss or his mates watching a hockey game uh, or less so that um, when it's with his family. But, um, you know, F is for family, right? I agree. I think it's um, – I've, I've really enjoyed all of the seasons, um, particularly seasons one to three of F is for family. And I think you, you nailed it when you said – a lot more of that obviously is about his family, but it's much more about um, Frank Murphy and his kind of working environment and kind of his 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 family. But this season, I actually found it quite hard to like binge watch. And I think you know when you think about a, a ten episode animated show, normally like you could you could quite easily kind of get through that. But I actually found myself kind of only being able to watch one maybe two episodes at a time so it kind of took me longer to get through than I anticipated and I I think you're spot on I think it is both there are some hilarious and deeply disturbing scenes but there is also some stuff that's just a little bit too real and I think it's it kind of for me I was talking about this with my sister actually I think it speaks 
the show speaks to a, a generation, which I, which I think is our generation, of some of the different relationships we had with our parents mm. and understanding, I think, some of the things they're going through, how I think society was kind of greatly shifting at that time. And I think it brings up a lot of kind of like weird raw emotions where you're like, should I be laughing at this? Yeah, that's, um, that's, exactly, that's exactly what it is. It's kind of like I didn't have any of those horrible things or anything like this kind of upbringing. So for me, it doesn't hurt. But I imagine for some, it could cut deep or it could be really too close to home, right? I think it's um, – I agree with you. Like, I think Bill Burr as Frank Murphy is such a classic character. And I think Bill Burr as a, as a comedian, um, it's really made me appreciate him more. I think, um, he's got some funny, um, up shows on Netflix, but it's, yeah, it's definitely a, I don't, I wouldn't say season four was my favorite season. No, It was good, but I enjoyed, I think the earlier seasons more. I agree with that entirely. The the one sort of uh, caveat to that would be that, I, as as you mentioned in an earlier podcast, Jonathan Banks is absolutely perfect as Frank's father. Um, you know who's returned in this latest season. His his line delivery, as we've come to learn in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, is is sensational. And I would, if it exists, I would love to see some uh, some behind the scenes recording booth of him and and Bill Burr going at each other um because yeah just 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 brilliant delivery from jonathan banks real good addition and it's funny too because i actually think it was some of the the side characters which actually made the show like a little bit heavier this season like mm. i think you take a, char- a character like vic for example played by sam rockwell like he was he's always been kind of a fun totally extravagant quirky next door neighbor but he was just going through so much messed up stuff as well this season that it kind of again took it in a different direction um not to say i didn't enjoy it i just i I definitely just found it a bit harder i think cool so you've watched a lot you've done well you've done well myself thanks thanks i appreciate the vote of confidence um so I have not done well. Um, I've been away for um, kind of half of this week, and so have not. Don't don't what? come at me with excuses, Dan. All right, I, going away does not preclude you from watching television and the internet. Okay, so so drop the excuses. This is a podcast, and I expect better. Carry on. <clears throat> okay, so um, I'll try. I'll try harder. I. What have I been watching? So still going pretty strong on this Outrageous Fortune Lark, which I'm sure you're sick of me talking about. We are up to season five of that show. There's one more season to go. Um, I think I think I'm just going to start bringing Dark into the mix, I think, as my, as my next show, actually, just mm. to make it interesting for the listeners. Because right. I'm sure if I keep saying Outrageous Fortune, they're going to just start screaming murder um and but i did make time to watch the old guard the um new movie on netflix so that's about as good as i can offer up this week um and i believe you might have watched that movie as well i did indeed i knew i knew you'd watched it so i I held on to it for for your conversation so yes i appreciate you i appreciate that paul you've given me something to talk about Mm -hmm. so um the old guard so maybe if you haven't seen that movie and it's a movie that appeals to you, you might want to skip forward five minutes or so. Um, so 
new on Netflix out this week, um, starring Charlie Theron, and a movie basically about uh, a, some immortals that um, find themselves kind of being hunted for their immortal qualities. Um, based on a graphic novel, really interesting movie, I thought. I thought it was kind of, I thought, I guess a couple of different things. It kind of felt like two movies to me. I thought the the first half of the movie very much um, introduced us to the concept of what being an old guard is and what being an, being an immortal kind of looks and feels like. Um, and they, they do that quite well with the introduction of a, a new character who picks up um, these, these abilities, which is Niall. Um, and then the second half of the movie, basically a... Well, to be honest, a bit of a B-grade um, bad guy hunting them or trying to track them down for their, their special abilities and trying to do experiments and stuff on them to work out how they can, I guess, under, understand that, that immortal ability. As a movie, I thought, like, I enjoyed it and it was okay. I thought the... Charlie Theron, definitely the the superstar of the movie. Mm. I enjoyed some of the other characters, but you could tell they all of the budget didn't go towards them, um, <laughs> which is <laughs> which. I, I, I think they've set up an interesting premise for potentially another movie. Um, but I've got some other thoughts about sort of the some of the, I guess some of the the way this film was shot. But uh, mm. before I get into that, what do, you, what do you think about the old guard, Paul? I really enjoyed it, eh? Um, and you suggested this to me. And when I read the summary of this movie, I, this is going to sound weird, but this is the truth. I somehow managed to miss the fact that these guys were immortal. So I, I just sort of read, oh, yeah, it's, a, it's about a team going on an emergency mission. And, you know, they're, gonna, they're elite mercenaries, and I just, based on the poster, I was sold on just that. I thought that that's, that sounds like a good enough, you know, it's a, it's a Netflix, it's a free movie, it sounds fun. But so when when the whole crew gets gunned down in like the opening 10 minutes and quite clearly have to be dead, I was sitting there totally shocked thinking, so are we now going to jump back in time like you know, and see how it led to this event. I, I was like, this is. I wasn't expecting it. So when they all started to start popping bullets out in their skin healing, I was <laughs> sitting there going, "How did I miss this?" So um, so yeah, and I really did enjoy it. Like you say, Shirley's is really good in it. Um, although I did think um that um Kiki Lane who played Niall, I thought she was was really really good. I thought she was very convincing. As the, as the newbie in the group, I haven't. I don't believe I've seen her before, um, and I thought uh, you're quite right. The the rest of the cast, with respect, uh, weren't weren't uh, those sort of a what do we call them a lists? Uh... I, I think you're right. I think um, I think um, Kiki Lane, who played Niall, w- was great, and definitely I would be interested in seeing her in future movies. And that's probably a little bit harsh with those other characters. I think they all they all played their character fine, but you could tell, like, like I, they kind of felt in an action movie disposable at any point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly right. Uh, I think um, 
what kind of was interesting about this movie is it kind of had a bit of a, a John Wick vibe to me mm. or or a, a wannabe John Wick vibe. And I think this is where I think some of the, the – there's something that didn't feel quite right to me, just the way it was, um, way it was shot in the sense that it kind of felt like the fight scenes and the choreography and the stunts and stuff all kind of felt – pretty cool i feel like the camera work felt it wasn't quite at the same level um and i don't know i can't quite put my finger on on why that is but it i think it kind of reduced the quality of the film a little bit for me i i i don't know what you're saying but i do know what you're saying and what i mean by that is i felt like those scenes were well choreographed and were well acted out i felt like what they didn't do which a lot of movies these days seem to do was they didn't sort of speed it up at all and i think a lot of movies actually speed those fight scenes up and i think we have habituated to that we've got used to seeing those those fight scenes in a little bit faster than real time and so seeing it in real time maybe made it feel perhaps a little slower that would be my my guess um the director um doesn't appear to have done any massive um movies before so um there could be you know maybe not experienced in that sort of genre i don't know but um i actually thought yeah putting that aside i thought it was good action i thought it was good tension i felt like that what what i liked about it because i enjoyed john wick just like you did but what i liked about this more was that i felt they played it all very real like it, it could be happening in real life i could believe it like they could just be regular mercenaries as opposed to immortal mercenaries it was played out very matter-of-factly there was no big fanfare um so yeah i I thought i actually appreciated part of that even though i know what you're saying i think and for me i think that's where i think i enjoyed the first half of the movie more than the second because i thought it was really interesting to kind of see this story through time and often when um when we see characters who have kind of lived many lives it's often in your favorite genre vampires and Mm. and it kind of just seemed interesting to kind of see you know they'd obviously been together for a long time they'd been involved in lots of um key world events i thought it was really interesting that the the challenge that was facing them now was almost kind of like technology was catching up and they were more easily traceable and i think where for me again where it dropped it's kind of dropped the ball a little bit as i think in the second half of the movie when we've got these basically superheroes kind of in labs and always the challenges with i think anytime you have a mortal or people like superman type Mm. characters where they're indestructible indestructible you kind of need that weakness and i think what was what was good about it by the end of the movie obviously with Andy's character having lost that ability it really like ups the ante and makes you care about the character a whole bunch more and I just I think the the villain choice that they went for in the second half of the movie which is um, which was played by Harry Mellon it just it it didn't do anything for me and so Mm -hmm. Harry Mellon I'm pretty sure was was Dudley in Harry Potter um, well, not that there has anything to do with the things, but it kind of just like Dudley, not for me. I I, I think they had a, a really good concept, and I think if that character, if that kind of stuck, I think to the, more of the first half of the story for me, it would have been a, a a better movie. But it was still good. 
Okay. Okay. Look, I, I hear what you're saying, and I I don't disagree with all of it. Um, there was just enough in there for me just to, you know, here I am with that positive lens. I thought I just really enjoyed those flashbacks, you know, that when they were centuries old. I like the idea, as you say, about, you know, they made her no longer immortal and up the ante there. Um, I like the idea, though, that unlike a Superman character, there was a way to contain them from the point of view of, um, uh, I can't think of the character's name, but the one who got uh, taken away at the start and put into like a metal box and then dropped to the bottom of the ocean and was therefore required to to basically keep draining and then come back to life, keep draining and come and basically go insane after 500 years of doing it. I, I thought those sort of things were quite, quite interesting. And I, I just found it really easy to watch and, um, you know, Diana really enjoyed it too. Um, of course she did way more research than me. She already had it on her list and, um, was planning on watching it without me because she thought I probably wouldn't be into it because of the, the supernatural link, um, which is a fair call. Um, but on this occasion, it was one of those movies that falls into the camp of honor. I'm on board with this. I think it's, it is, as you say, more just that sort of vampire thing. But, uh, and like you say, they've definitely set it up for a potential sequel with whatever her name is having shown up at the end. Uh, so I, I definitely be on board for that. Um, and the other, the final thing that I made a note of here was music. And I, I wrote that note music because Diana and I both thought that some of the, mil- the music was a bit off kilter at times. It felt more like music that was more appropriate for like a rom-com or something. I, I don't know who was in charge of the, the music. It wasn't Hans Zimmer. It wasn't John Williams. They need to sort that out for the, for the sequel. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the, the music wasn't quite, quite right either. It, this, I found out about this movie only because of uh, um, looking on the Coming Soon page on, on Netflix and, and watching the trailer. And it kind of, I think the, the graphic novel component kind of interests me. I feel like um, Netflix movies can be a bit of a mixed bag. Um, I was kind of really intrigued by the immortality sort of thing. And I kind of the, the action scene trailer where they're, you know, fighting John Wick style, but also pulling out, um, a giant battle axe was kind of cool. Um, it, it kind of made me really interested in like what the limits were to their regeneration abilities. Um, if if someone got a, a limb chopped off or their arm or head chopped off, like would it grow back or is it is it only sort of what what type of Wolverine level regeneration are we talking? But that's yeah. probably getting a bit too much into the into the science of the film. But yeah, look, I. I think it's enjoyable. It's going to be enjoyable for most people. Um, it was also kind of fun to pick apart. Definitely, definitely. And for those of you who are still listening, I recommend you go have a have a look at this one. I think you could enjoy it. Mm, definitely. Um, and yeah, if you um, come and have a chat to us on our, our Discord page about what you thought, we'd we'd love to hear your your views. Mm, so yeah, so <clears throat> not much on the what have I been watching. Um, less for me this week but i will try to do better next week and bring more to the table is not to disappoint you i appreciate that cool so shall we move on to a bit of news see what's happening around the place why not that sounds uh, pretty good i don't have too much this week but i'll kick us off with uh, a couple of pieces uh, firstly uh, the long-awaited uh, sequel to Clone Wars to Rebels to Resistance. The next Star Wars animated TV series is called Star Wars The Bad Batch. Um, so this is quite exciting. Um, 
the Bad Batch are uh, a bunch of elite experimental clones that we meet in season seven. Now, Dan, I know you haven't watched season seven yet, so I won't talk about them too much. But basically, um, we're going to pick up that group of clones. So I think if, if you basically think, oh, we're following the 501st Legion or whatever, you know, we're following a specific bunch of clones. Um, I, I take my hat off to you because you were the one who said in a few podcasts ago that you wouldn't be surprised if we see more Clone Wars and if we carry on the story somewhere. And I thought, no, nah, I think we're done with this. So I'm I'm quite excited about it. I'm also, it's weird, I'm excited about it, but I'm also like, I, I don't feel overly, uh, what's the word, drawn in by the concept. I feel like I would have rather have gone with a, a post rebel series or, or, or just uh, something a little different. I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it. I'm sure it's going to look very much like Clone Wars. Um, but I, I, I was so happy as, as we talked about a few episodes ago, I was so happy with the ending of Clone Wars that I kind of felt like I'd be happy for that just to go to bed for a while and maybe bring it back in a, in a decade or so. Do we know when the bad batch is going to be set timeline-wise? Is it like going to continue on? or It's in the, uh, the immediate aftermath of the Clone War. So depending on when uh, Lucasfilm Story Group decide that that is, that could determine, you know, if it's... Because what, what does that mean to you? Um, I guess that means kind of going into Revenge of the Sith territory. I... Um that's how yeah. I look. I look at it as being the minute that Palpatine ordered, ex, you know, execute Order sixty six. So that's kind of like ended the Clone Wars and the galaxy came to order. So I hope that that's the case because if that's the case, what we'll have is a bunch of clones set in the technically in the age of the Empire, and that would be a little bit different. So that would that would draw me in more than if they're going to set it pre Revenge of the Sith. So yeah, I th- equally feel. Mixed about this, I like. I'm definitely going to watch it, but I kind of, and I, I say this with hesitation because I've really enjoyed all of the Clone Wars that I've watched. I wonder, I am I a little bit clone fatigued? Mm. Um, mm. And I, I think what Rebels does differently, even though I'm also severely lacking in, in my watching of that, is I kind of like that we're not just dealing with clones all the time, and. I I hope that it it's got some bigger bigger characters that we kind of link to and focus. I, I'm not I don't really feel that excited about watching another sort of you know dozen different stories about different clones. Like I, I feel like we've had that we've done that. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm sure they're thinking about this as well, and um, I'm sure they'll be in touch with us at some point to sort of confirm the direction, but. Presumably so. We have written to them a number of times about a number of different things, and as yet, no response, but I presume that's due to COVID. Mm, mm, mm. Good. Any other news from you, Paul? A couple of little bits and pieces. Um, Idris Elba has uh, reignited his hope for a a new Luther movie. This was an article that you posted in the Discord news channel, Um, and that's always exciting because who doesn't love Luther? Who doesn't love a bit of Idris Elba? I think uh, we'd all be on board for a, for a Luther movie. So uh, let's hope that there's not just a rumor there, that there's some something behind that. 
I still haven't actually seen the latest season of Luther because it's not on any. Don't shake your head at me, Paul. You know, it's not on. It's not on any platform. Yeah, that I can that I can access. So um, it's something that's. It's such a great TV show. Where I think when people ask me for something good to watch, Luther's always one of those shows that I, I highly recommend. Um, and I think a movie would be great. And maybe for the pod, you could give us your your best Luther, Alison Prishan. Alice. That's as good as it gets. It's just one word. It's just one word. It's um, really good. And my final thing uh, I've got, so we mentioned the, the release date for Lower Decks, the new Star Trek animated series. The first trailer for that has been released, and it is everything I could have hoped for and more. It looks like Rick and Morty, but it feels like Star Trek, so that's a, that's a mashup that I can't wait to get amongst. Um, and just finally, this isn't really news, but I'm going to turn it into news. So um, Bob Odenkirk and Ray Seahorn. Uh, better call Saul, uh, Saul and Kim. They did a Q and A session with fans on Instagram and getting people to you know ask questions about filming or decisions, plot stories, that sort of thing. And there was a question that came through from Steve, a guy called Steve from Iowa, who said, um, "Will Will Walter White show up in Better Call Saul?" And what made that interesting was, and a little bit comical, of course, was that it was in fact. Uh, Brian Cranston himself asking the, the question, will Walter White show up in medical source? So it was a little bit of fun, a little bit of, you know, but I didn't, I couldn't help thinking, is there, is there something there? Is, is there something there? I mean, I, I didn't expect to see him turn up in um, El Camino and he did. Is there a way it could happen? I just don't know. Mark my words, Paul, we're definitely getting Jesse Pinkman before the end of medical soul. Okay, I'm, I'm holding you to that. Uh, just out of, uh, in case you're interested, Bob Odenkirk answered the question and he said he thinks it really comes down to whether or not um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt will shave his head. So uh, he's obviously <laughs> looking at, at recasting uh, Brian Cranston with a, with a younger actor. And uh, I think you have some news about someone being recast by a, a younger person, don't you? Ah, yeah, I do actually. So this is also speaking of shaved heads. So, um, <laughs> so um, Mad Max, the movie. There's been a bit of news that's come out recently that um, uh, Charlize Theron, um, who plays Furiosa in Mad Max, is actually going to be recast uh, for a prequel, which I think is really interesting. Um, there's actually a lot of um, information and I guess for lack of a better word gossip actually around during uh, Mad Max that Charlize Theron and oh my god his name's Tom Hardy mm. um, did, didn't actually get on very well on set and had quite different acting processes uh, and it wasn't particularly enjoyable for lots of people associated to them and sort of wider cast members and so obviously a bit of tension but I think uh, a Furiosa movie is really interesting definitely something that I would love to see mm. I would I'm, I'm not sure Charlie's is someone that you recast I think I'm not sure about this it's a, it's a bold decision and you know she is as we talked about from uh, the old guy she's, she is you know A-list Hollywood it's a, it's, a, it's a bold decision and yes whilst we're appreciating this is a prequel and therefore she, she should be younger I think uh, we all sort of have we've, we've done that with enough actors in different 
TV shows and movies and a little bit of makeup and a little bit of CGI and it, it doesn't seem to be a problem. So, uh, yeah, I'm surprised too. Um, my other my other bit of news, um, not that this is a show that either of us watch, but it is a bit of news we've talked about before, is that um, we've talked about Batwoman before, mm. the um, which basically the the actress that that played played Batwoman has stepped down for the role and is now being recast. Um, and it's going to be Javika Leslie is going to be the new Batwoman. I don't know if that really matters because I'm not probably not going to watch the show, but interesting. Interestingly, going in a, a different direction. I knew at, at some point they were talking about maybe not having a, a, a Batwoman on the show, sort of using other characters, but it could be interesting. I gave that show a, a one-episode attempt. It was okay. Not really for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, no, I, I haven't even given it one episode yet. Um, we, we, we've kind of tried with some of those similar shows. We did. We watched a couple of seasons of Supergirl and – and we, we watched a little bit of Flash, but I don't know. There's something about, and I don't want to offend fans of these shows, but they just feel slightly uh, less production value, less something's not quite, it's not up to the standard of Gotham. It's not up to the standard of Daredevil. It's not up to the standard, you know, those sort of shows. And so I have a vibe feel from, from Batwoman, which is a little bit unfair of me, perhaps. I agree with you, I think. Um Probably the closest one of those shows which I've watched some of would be Arrow. Um, mm. And even that, the cringe factor was quite high, but it kind of had enough to keep me entertained for a while. But I think ever since um, the Netflix originals of Daredevil, Punisher, um, Jessica Jones, it's really just set the bar at a different place for me. So I find yeah. it really hard work to watch those shows. Um which is a shame because I feel like there's lots of interesting stories to tell on some of these characters that, you know, in a different way. But I, I also wonder whether it's a little bit of – I get a bit tired of um, villain of the week type TV shows. I, I kind of mm. need my stories to have a bit more um, bigger, bigger, bigger plot points and bigger stories that they're working towards. Agreed, agreed. My uh, final bit of news is actually like news slash uh, rumor is a potential um, Kill Bill 3 idea, which um, is basically uh, Kill Bill's Vivica A. Fox um, wants to basically play her growing daughter in the show. So this would be a, a revenge tale set. I think it's it's almost 17 years since Kill Bill one first came out Correct. and this, the, the, and I remember there's that, there's that great line in Kill Bill where well, I'm not going to get it quite right but if you've got a problem come and see me when you're older or, or something That's right. and, yeah. and, and and sign me up I would I would watch this in a heartbeat I've been th- ever since seeing this headline it's made me really interested in wanting to rewatch Kill Bill mm. uh, it's been it's been a long time since I've seen um, seen that movie so, if nothing else, it's going to get me rewatching. Exciting! I'd be in for that as well. Kill Bill, really, really good, and yeah, both part one and part two. So, why not make it a trilogy? Why not? Definitely, definitely. So that's about all I've got in the um, in the newsroom today. Shall we switch over to the the mailbag? Okay. Let's stick our hand into the bag and see what comes out this week. If you cast your mind back. Uh, and uh, to Book Club a couple of podcasts ago, uh, where I did a review of a 
Inferno Squad, the Star Wars novel, the author um, of that movie, uh, Christy Golden, uh, left us a comment on Facebook uh, thanking us for the review of that movie, which I thought was was quite nice. Um, also, um, we, uh, when I say we, maybe it was me, who knows, I, I went to a, a mission log uh, hangout with the guys at uh, Roddenberry.com and uh, a whole bunch of people uh, go along to those sessions and hang out and have, have good chats about sci-fi and stuff. And uh, uh, they invited uh, myself and some other people who do these, I want to call them amateur podcasts, but I, I feel like we're we're more professional than that, uh, to talk about our podcasts and uh, you know, to talk to the group about our experiences and why we did it. And uh, I learned about a, an Irish podcast um, called Time Temp. And this is uh, two uh, Irish people, uh, Paddy and Trisha, uh, who have put together a Doctor Who podcast. And so in the spirit of, you know, podcasts, I thought I'll give these guys a go. And I have to say, they're only five episodes in, but these guys have really hit the ground running. It's a really good podcast. Um, for starters, you've got two Irish accents, which are, are really easy and enjoyable to listen to. Great sense of humor, obviously, as you expect, but really, really honest and passionate about Doctor Who. And, um, you know, this this is a podcast about the very first Doctor Who episodes they've ever made. So we're talking black and white stuff, 1963. Um, and some of these episodes were, were lost episodes as well. So they're going off of, you know, scripts and and. And photographs so it's uh it's 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 really great and i've although i've watched a lot of doctor who i haven't watched a lot of the early stuff and so um so so meeting uh it was trisha who was at the um the mission log hangout uh, was a was a great opportunity uh to find another podcast discover someone else uh these guys have got a great format much like ourselves you know they've really thought it through um I actually think they might put in a bit more effort than we do, to be quite honest with you. Uh, they do a great episode recap of Doctor Who. They go into trivia. They talk about the Doctor, the villain, the companions. They give their thoughts on each episode. It's it's, it's really great. Listen, it's about an hour a week. Um, and if they keep this going, they'll be doing it till they're in their 70s because there's a lot of Doctor Who to get through. So, um, so yeah, so uh, in the spirit of all of this, I think to our listeners, go and check them out. They're at uh, Time Temp. T-I-M-E-T-E-A-M-P on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, uh, yeah, give them a go. I know you're a big Doctor Who fan, Dan, so I'm sure you can add that to your podcast list as well. Paul, that's offensive because um, it's, not really, <laughs> it's not really. I Do you know what? I was thinking about that as you as you were talking about it. And when you said Doctor Who podcast, I thought obviously the more, more modern ones. But that's really cool that they've gone back because that's actually the Doctor Who that I watched a lot of as a kid. Um, and a lot of those old Doctors are – you know, kind of my my doctors when I, when I think about Doctor Who, I haven't really watched the modern ones, but maybe we should have a, a joined up podcast one day and we could we could talk Doctor get, Who and get them on the show, right? It'd be it'd be great mm. to have a, a chat with these guys because um, yeah, because like you, I've seen a lot of Doctor Who. I've watched a lot of it in the eighties, but I actually have seen very very little of this early classic Who. So for me, it's educational. Um, you know the podcast is really well thought through it's great fun so um, so yeah a really great opportunity to, to maybe have a catch up with those guys and uh, uh, what else have I got here I made another note oh yeah so we also received um, this is our fifth podcast review online uh, so this is a listener by the name of uh, Aditya 
I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, they rated us uh, three out of five stars, uh, and they said, um, and this was this was on the what is it, the eleventh of July. So this was quite recent. They said, I enjoyed this one. The Five Bloods was amazing. It was so real about soldiers during that time, and then a, a whole bunch of hats. So they obviously were on board with your review of the five bloods in in last week's episode so that was great so that's review number five and that brings our average now to four out of five stars so i don't think that's too bad to be honest where was this review paul where where how do i tell where oh, i'm not sure was it on a, a, a oh what, oh sorry I, yeah sorry i'm with you obviously um this is on podcast addict so we've had three right. reviews from podcast addict um we had um ash he was the first at white star prime then we had um, Ryan. Did we talk about Ryan? Ryan Davies Payne's. Oh, sorry. Oh, I, I don't know if we've done this. So Ryan Davies Payne. He gave us four out of five stars, and he just said, "Good fun, listen." So three word review. That's good. Short and sweet. Good fun. Listen. I, I, I like all those words. Um, and then we had the the two on on iTunes as well. Um, so so yeah, another review. That's great. I, I love this because we know then. That people are not only listening, but they're 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 taking the time to review. Which uh, so thank you, Aditya. Thank you, Ryan. Um, and if you're listening right now, and if you're enjoying, only if you're enjoying, please leave us a review because um, it is great to hear. Uh, you know, all kinds of people are listening all around the world. In fact, Dan, I did go to the trouble after I saw that review of just um, totting up our, from our Google Analytics. Uh, we're now at uh, 19 different countries. Uh, with the latest being South Africa. In terms of our numbers, we've got a lot of people from the US, New Zealand, England, Australia, and Scotland in particular. Uh, the majority of our listeners in California and the US uh, with Colorado and New York just behind. Um, but in total, we've now got to 23 states, so we're almost halfway there. So just like Anakin, I want to be the first podcaster to, to see them all. So, uh, so yeah, so... Um, Wherever you are, wherever you're listening, we we thank you. And uh, just one other thing, whilst we're in the mailbag, our social media manager would like to give a special mention to Darwin Hannon from Illinois. Um, Dan, you may remember we we crossed paths with Darwin at a live online uh, sci-fi event a couple of months ago. Um, Anyway, not only does Darwin know regularly listen to our podcasts um but he also frequently supports us on facebook and he gets involved in the discussion there as well and we even managed to get uh, the movie sicario on his watch list a few weeks ago uh, after we talked about that on the podcast so um i think that's great i think that's great and that's all i have in the mailbag that's awesome that uh, people have gone to the trouble to leave a review. I was checking out actually some reviews on some of the podcasts that I listen to, and some of them haven't had a review for two or three years. So mm. it's awesome to um, to get some feedback. Obviously, we love hearing from anyone who's got any thoughts and feedback to help us improve the show. It's always we, we appreciate anyone reaching out. So that's really awesome. So um, we're going to try a a new segment on the show today. Now, I'm going to get this probably a little bit wrong, and we're going to slightly adapt it in a a truly half-measures way. Um, And maybe it's something we can do probably not every episode, but every, you know, as often as we remember, because, you know, why keep notes? Correct. It's only 2020. And we're we're kind of adapting a a challenge, which uh, did you see it on Twitter originally, Paul? Mm, Yeah. 
Favourite so, four, four, and so basically the the concept of choosing uh, some some top actors and actresses and um, working out what we think their their best movies are and having a bit of a discussion about it. And we thought uh, maybe four might be maybe a bit too much to start off with, so we might we might go for our our peak performances of uh, an actor and an actress. And so this week, Paul has nominated. Um, uh, Denzel Washington is mm-hmm. his actor, and um, Jodie Foster is his actress, and we're going to have a bit of a conversation about their what we think their their peak performances. Correct. Do you want to do you want to kick us off with uh, either one of those? I'll let you take first pick where you want to go. Okay. Well, I might go Jodie Foster first, ladies mm-hmm. first. So, I think really interesting choice. I feel like we. I feel like I haven't seen a lot from um, Jodie Foster in in recent years. And the movie that I I think for me is her ultimate, her best performance, I can still picture it to this day, would be in The Silence of the Lambs. Um, So the the 1991 movie where she plays um, Agent uh, Clarice Starling. And I just think, so memorable and such a, a terrifying um, – uh, I'm not sure what, what word am I, am I trying to use here – kind of a, a, a terrifying movie to be in, uh, you know, working alongside a superstar like Anthony Hopkins mm. and kind of going toe-to-toe with him. Just, just an incredible performance. And but it was funny before I thought of Silence of the Lambs, the movie that actually really stuck out for me for a really weird reason is the movie Now. I don't know if you remember that yes, movie at all. I do, indeed. Where um, and more for the annoying factor of I didn't know what I was going into when I watched that movie, and it is one of those movies going back to my days of working in a movie theater, um, and Jodie Foster's Now couldn't actually talk or, or communicate, but. Anyway, that aside, Silence of the Lambs would be my choice. How nice. about you? Oh, look, to be honest with you, I I expected, given that I just selected these two actors and actresses at random, I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go with Silence of the Lambs. But when I actually went through the movies that she's in and what I've enjoyed, it actually gets a runner-up spot for me, uh, only just. Um, that Silence of the Lambs and Panic Room were both the close runners for me. I really, really liked her in Panic Room. Um, but for me... Jodie Foster's best performance comes in the movie Contact, uh, where she plays the scientist um, Eleanor Arroway. Now, I, I, I'm interested to see how this segment, as we're calling it, plays out, because this is one of my top 10 sci-fi movies of all time, um, which perhaps is another podcast idea right there, Dan. Um, top 10 sci-fi movies. Uh, I, I'm aware that, though. <laughs> okay, right, because that's a hard one to choose, that list. Um <laughs> But because I love the movie so much, I wonder if my decision to choose this as her best performance is influenced by it, so I'll have to keep a check on myself as, as we move forward. Uh, but I really find her her devotion to science in this and her, her unearthing belief in extraterrestrial life, um, just the way she portrayed that role, opposite Matthew McConaughey, who was you know bringing a, a very uh, religious focus um, to, to, to the whole endeavour. I found her really, really believable when she ultimately um, went into space. She looked absolutely terrified. And, yeah, I just found 
are really easy to relate to in this movie for some reason. I just found it very believable performance, very genuine. Um, and that's not to take anything away from Panic Room or, or from Science of the Lambs. Obviously, they were both extraordinary. But yeah, the best one for me, I think it's I think it's her performance in in Contact. It, it feels the most genuine I've ever seen her. Great actress. I um I'm not sure I've seen Contact. <laughs> I'm not sure. I also feel like, when did this come? I'm just looking at the 97. 97. And when did Nell come out? 94. Mm. Maybe. Mm, I'm in, okay. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen Contact. But I tell you what, you say the word Panic Room. That is a movie I haven't seen for many years. That that was a great movie. Yeah. Oh, absolutely fantastic. And it's a it's one of those things uh, Diane and I often talk about how, how cool it would be to have it. A panic room, you know, just in case we ever get attacked, so that I, you know, so that I can hide uh, whilst the, whoever attacks us takes my family hostage. You know, it would be uh, amazing. Just the idea of having a panic room. I can imagine you in a panic room with a cup of tea <laughs> and, and cream eggs, and just having a great old time, and pretending you're actually at work, but you're you're in the you're in the panic room. Hundred <laughs> percent. All right. Um, oh, there's some some great choices. I, I think what's interesting about this is it potentially could bring up some some new movie recommendations, new movies that we could um, review, watch, talk about. You know, you've talked about it a few times. The the Silence of the Lambs sort mm. of series of different movies, so that could be an interesting series to probe into. Shall we move on to the actor? Yeah, who have you got for Denzel Washington? One of the greatest actors of our generation. Of our generation? No, he's older than this. Of our time. Um, well, I think you're talking about Paul Walker, but um... <laughs> nicely done. Nicely you, done. You know, remember he did play in the last, yep. the last great action movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think for me, this is quite a tough choice. I really like uh, Denzel Washington. He's he's kind of a a great action. Um, TV star who I feel like I've kind of really grown up with and he's been in so many great movies but I think the one that stands out for me the most and I say this reluctantly because I'm there's so many options but I'm going to go with Training Day so good choice uh, a 2001 movie um, if you haven't seen it Highly recommend it. Also stars Ethan Hawke and basically it's uh, Denzel Washington um, kind of showing Ethan Hawke the ropes as a kind of a dodgy cop. And it's just great. It's such a great movie. There's a lot of great action scenes, a lot of great um, dialogue. And again, a movie I haven't seen for such a long time, but I've probably seen it half a dozen times over the last 20 years. Wow. That's quite a few times. I feel like I need to watch it again. What about you? What's your what's your pick? This was another hard one because so many great movies and um, luck, <laughs> luck being the the bingo word for Half Measures podcast. Um, the look the runner up positions for me on this because I was I was just so torn with Crimson Tide and The Hurricane. And I know, I know, we said we'd only limit it to one, but I, I have to mention those two movies because I thought in both those movies he was just sensational. But my favourite performance by Denzel Washington is his performance as Whit- Whitaker in the movie Flight. Uh, a really, really amazing. Uh, you know, he, he saves with some miraculous flying manoeuvre 
the entire flight of people after some crazy mechanical failure on board the plane. But immediately following the crash, um, there's an investigation because he appears to have been drunk. And that whole movie, just the desperation of him to, because he is a drunk. um, And just the, the way he portrays that sort of initially... I've got to get off of this. I, I, I don't want to go to jail. And just that desperation and then going through all kinds of different emotions, trying to get himself off just uh, was really, really powerful. And um, it, it did earn him uh, an Oscar nomination. So obviously I wasn't alone in that. And, you know, Denzel's won some Oscars in his time, but this one for me uh, was one I probably would have given him the nod for because it's a incredible movie. I've only seen it once as well. And just thinking about it now, I feel like I want to do a rewatch great movie i think uh crimson tide is definitely another great choice um and i think paul seeing you've been so greedy with uh dipping mm. your hand in the lolly mm. bag mm-hmm. and having mm-hmm. um having bonus off bonus uh runner-up choices another movie for me that really actually stood out as not, not my number one but just as, as a backup one would be fallen um and it's I don't know. It's been a very long time since I've seen this movie. It came out back in 1998. But the concept of the movie I thought was really kind of terrifying and spooky and interesting. And it's basically uh, Denzel Washington plays uh, John Hobbs, who um, is basically looking for a a detective, looking for a serial killer. And it's kind of got a little, uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? demonic satanic type kind of vibe to it because he's kind of this um this identity of the serial killer being passed between um different random people just by touch or bumping into them and stuff mm. and it was sort of a kind of a, a really just interesting concept back then and just, just something that seemed really different um and i i couldn't for the life of me tell you how good or bad denzel's acting was in this but i really enjoyed the movie yeah, I remember watching this back in the 90s, back in uni, and I enjoyed it too. But uh, good call and fair call. I did, did try and stick my hand in the lie jar a couple of times there, so, so, so fair enough too, fair enough. I think um, let's, let's do this again next week. Let's choose some more people and uh, see what we can come up with. Sounds good. So that probably just about brings us to the end of a, another episode of the the Half Measures podcast. So if you've stuck around this long, congratulations. Gold star for you. Um, you make sure you, if you've got any thoughts about what we've discussed, if you want to reach out, if you've got any movie recommendation, TV show recommendations, agree, disagree, good reviews, bad reviews, let us know. Um, you can do that at the Half Measures pod uh, on Twitter. Um, you can also reach us on Instagram, Reddit, Pinterest, Tumblr. Come and join our Discord channel. All of the key links are in the episode description. Um, but look, it's been great. Great spending time with you. As always, it has been. And as always, our thanks to Mission Log and the Roddenberry Podcast Network for their support. If you would like to support us and sponsor an episode of Half Measures and help us keep the lights on here, that would be great. Uh, get in touch with us at halfmeasurespodcast.com. And uh, thanks for listening. And we we'll hope you'll join us next week. Adios.